Hello and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talk to Brian Ho Yan, who is the manager of energy and climate change at the city of Guelph. It was about one year ago that Guelph City Council approved a slate of motions to accelerate the city's shift to net zero and 100% renewable, which would result, of course, in the wholesale reduction of Guelph's carbon footprint. That meeting was especially notable for the number of young people who came out to delegate about their panic about the climate future and their concern that governments aren't moving fast enough. So, government moved faster, and a report about the Race to Zero initiative then came back to council this past June, but because that was an especially long agenda, the report didn't get as much play as it should have. So here we are, one year later, and we are going to find out where we sit in the ranks in this race to zero, and that is the topic of this week's Guelph Politicast. The biggest takeaway from that report in June was that corporate greenhouse gas emissions from the city of Guelph have been reduced from the 2018 baseline, but those corporate emissions only account for 3% of Guelph's total carbon footprint. In other words, the city can lead, but it will be up to the people in Guelph to do their part too, at least if we're going to actually reach net zero by 2050. So how do we do that? One of the issues in the recent election for people concerned about local climate action was the need to set up interim targets between now and 2050. But where do we even begin with setting those targets? And then where do we even begin with chopping down the amount of greenhouse gas emissions we put out every year? Well, Per the Environmental Sustainability Report, over 26% of CO2 emissions in Guelph come from transportation, which is the biggest source of greenhouse gases that we put out. So what would have an impact on cutting all that GHG in the air? Well, it would probably help if everyone drove less and took some of those cars off the road. So how do we do that? Well, that's where the city comes in because they could make it easier to take transit with more routes and more frequency. Guelph Transit, of course, is in the process of taking a big step on their own, and that's converting the transit fleet to electric vehicles. But having said all of that, we need to remember that it's just a quarter of our GHG that comes from transportations. That leaves 75%. And those emissions come from residential buildings and industrial buildings and commercial and institution buildings. And they all need a different plan to tackle the elimination of GHG in those places. And that is where Brian Ho-Yan comes in. So on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast, Ho-Yan will talk to us about his daily duties, the limits of what the city can do to affect our climate change goals, and the ways that the city of Guelph can rally the community to help take care of that other 97%. We will also talk about the progress made so far in lowering Guelph's carbon footprint, whether the pandemic has interrupted that progress, and whether we've hit a plateau in terms of reaching that 100% renewable goal, at least without getting some further technical assistance. And then we will discuss what's coming up in 2023, whether or not provincial changes will have an effect on our efforts, and Ho-Yan will tell us the one thing that he wishes everyone knew about the city of Guelph's fight against climate change. So I caught up with Brian Ho-Yan last week via Zoom. Okay, so Brian Ho-Yan, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. 
Uh, to start things off, and just because I'm kind of interested uh, being a, a politics nerd and in terms of what how, how people spend their days, I'm, I'm wondering maybe you could just start off by talking about your job as, and I'm reading it so I get it right, manager of corporate energy and climate change. Like what, what does a day in the life of the manager of corporate energy and climate change look like? Okay, yeah. So yeah, so so that's my role. Um, so I, I guess what I do is, is I've I've got a team. There are four project managers within my team plus myself, and uh, the way that we go about it, uh, we kind of view ourselves as internal consultants to the city, uh, kind of those subject matter experts on energy conservation um, and energy efficiency, and really helping the the, the corporation, the municipality. Uh, to achieve its its climate change targets and 100% renewable energy target um, through energy conservation, and we do that uh, w- with a real hands-on approach. Um, so you know, a lot of times, uh, when I mentioned about consulting, so a lot of times um, people just don't know how to articulate the question or even ask anything about energy or how to how to save energy. So we kind of help them kind of bring that together formulate that question, learn from them how they're using the facility or the piece of equipment, and then help that along with designing ideas, uh, working with consultants, external consultants, designers to kind of help build that out, helping them with um, procuring those services, and then even managing the construction from our side of it too. So we're taking it from, from the idea all the way through to uh, you know, construction and, and hands-on installation, and then even beyond that to training and, and making sure that it's being used properly. Mm-hmm. And sorry, and just quickly add on that too. So then, and so as we're doing the corporate side of things for the city and the municipality, you know, that's also, you know, developing things to help with supporting the community targets, right? So we recognize that the municipality is, is, is one of the community members of the community of Guelph. And so then how do we sort of support on that community net zero carbon target uh, from doing these, these corporate projects? And then also just kind of helping others in the community um, understand those targets. For the sake of clarity, when the city says we want to be net zero by 2050 and we want to be 100, 100% renewable by 2050, is that a corporate goal, meaning that the city is going to be 100% renewable and net zero by 2050, or is that the community-wide goal and that the city is going to lead, the city as a corporation is going to lead Guelph, the entirety of Guelph, to being 100% renewable and net zero by 2050? Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a great question, too. And, and, you know, it's it's good to hear it from the outside uh, because, <laughs> because I'm living it every day and it's, it's a bit clearer to me than it is maybe to others. Right. <laughs> So, I mean, if we rewind back to about 2018 or so, um, that, that's when a lot of the targets kind of got set. <clears throat> um, There's a group in the community that, that decided, hey, you know, we want to move forward with the whole community. So everything within the geographic boundaries of the city of Guelph. So that would be, you know, Guelph General, Sleeman's Brewery, even my house within, in, within Guelph, all those things, right? And so all of us are going to go and be net zero carbon by 2050. And then what was happening as well in parallel is, is the corporation said, hey, we want to kind of participate in this too. And we said, we want to do 100% renewable by 2050, um, but taking an energy conservation first approach. 
Mm -hmm. So I kind of say, you know, it's really tomatoes, tomatoes. It's saying the same thing. We just got to conserve the way that we use energy and do things smarter so that we're reducing the amount of pollution that we're putting up in, in, in the form of greenhouse gas emissions and hitting that climate change target. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to add something new with that too. So then, you know, as, as, you know, as we're growing in our climate change journey, Race to Zero, uh, the, the broad um, UN campaign had come. And that is really focused around the whole community. And it's, it's really a, an all hands on deck. It says cities in general are cities overall are a very important piece in this and how we can move the globe together. And that said, as a geographic city, everybody involved, we're to reduce our, our emissions by 63% against what we were doing in 2018. And we have to reduce that by 63% when it's uh, uh, by 2030. Mm-hmm. And so flipping that back, we're also saying, hey, you know, they're talking about the whole city, but we're saying the municipality has got to participate in that too. So we've adopted that as well in terms of a, a reduction trajectory. Mm-hmm. So it really is kind of both yes and. It's I think that's an, an interesting part of this too, because I think so much of this, just from the community point of view, and and maybe you can comment on this. So much of this is of, of the climate change or the desire for climate action on the part of the community is like government lead us do something. Um, but one of the things we've also learned in the process is that the corporation of the city of Guelph and all its buildings and facilities and vehicles and all that actually make up a pretty small portion of our total GHG. So I guess how much is <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this in real time, but you know how much of this is like people looking at this at city leadership and saying, you know, you guys need to direct us, and how much of this is is kind of the city having to go back out into community. It's like, well, we can give you ideas, but we this is a whole community effort as well. Yeah, I really racked my brain with that one, and I, I <laughs> constantly do. Um, you're you're bang on. So again, you know, it's less than like three percent that the city. The, the, the municipal f- facilities and fleet kind of contribute. But that's not us saying that we're not a contributor. That's mm. also not saying that we can't help with the other side of things, right? It really is it's just saying, hey, we're one of many hands, so everybody's got to go into this. So we're going to do our part. But then the municipality is kind of a weird one. Um, although we we are using energy for the stuff that we 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 do and running city hall and, and things like that, but we're running other things that are supporting the rest of the community. Right. So I was, I was with a tougher audience than, than you, Adam, <laughs> this morning I was presenting to a bunch of grade fives at, uh, at Guelph Lake public school. And I was kind of explaining to them, Hey, you know, this is what we do in our wastewater treatment plant. And this is what we do at the community centers. Right? And what those things are doing is, is they're community hubs or they're taking all of the sewage uh, from all the households or we're taking all the plastics from all the households. So we're going to do our best to kind of do that in an efficient way, but it's also supporting everybody else in, in doing things properly. We could have a, a, a waste facility that says, forget it, we're not going to do green bin. But we are investing in it as a as a municipality to support the community. We're putting out ba- bike lanes out there, and so that people can get on their bike. But the people have to get on their bike, 
right? Mm-hmm. And so then I flipped it back to those guys and I said, okay, so that's great what we're doing in that city facilities. Okay, now what are you guys doing to get on your bikes and use those active transportation lanes? Or what are you doing at home to, 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 to tackle that 97% that's remaining, right? So it is kind of a weird relationship that we're in being in the city. It's a fun one, challenging <laughs> one. Um, but it's really, yeah, it, it, I think everybody, just broadly climate change, everybody's looking for the other to do it when all right. of us have to do it. I mean, does that make it harder? Because city council, of course, is looking for KPIs and, um, you know, data points that prove that investments being made with, you know, uh, the city's budget are, are paying off. But something like bike lanes, for example, city crews can city planning can lay out where the bike lanes go. City crews can make the bike lanes, but then at a certain point it goes out to the community to use the bike lanes and you can account for the money spent on making the bike lanes, but it's kind of tougher to account for how many bikes are using those bike lanes. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that's, that's where I always bring it back to is, is what, what are the levers that we can pull? So when we are doing that street, we're making sure it's a complete street and that it does have, that lane again and then and then we can we can pull maybe a softer lever and you know get out there and you know my colleagues in sustainable transportation they're out in the public and telling people hey here's the map of of road lanes and here's the benefit of doing that even things like urban urban forest management too right you know we can we can set up maintenance uh maintenance programs and even planting programs community planting programs too and so those are the things that we can do. And let's focus on what we can do as opposed to thinking about wishing what could happen, right? Mm. So again, it's that weird one where it's, you know, although we're only contributing a small amount and, you know, let's not focus on it, but let's just focus on what we can do. And then everybody does their part and we'll, we'll eventually get there, I think. Right, right, right. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> well, we know they won't come if it's not built. Right. That's right. <laughs> they won't be able to. So that's, I mean, that's the other way of seeing it, right? Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, out of curiosity, how much has the pandemic impacted like sort of the best laid plans to, to tackle GHG and, and to go to net zero? You know, I was looking at some of the reports developed by the city and, and you know, there, there's one line that notes in, in 2020, especially because city facilities were closed for most of the year, you know, it, it kind of throws off the, the measurements of just how well we're kind of tackling issues of reducing our carbon footprint and things because life wasn't normal for this, for this big period. And I'm, I, I guess what it made me wonder is, are we able to sort of track our progress properly because um, the, the normal functionings of, you know, life weren't it, for the last three years, almost just haven't been the same. Like even this year, we, you know, we took January off because there was another lockdown. So, um, mm-hmm. are, are, are as as someone who's kind of monitoring this, are you worried that you're as as on top of the progress as as maybe we should be if the pandemic never happened? Yeah, that, that's a good one. Um, I mean, there's nothing like a good pandemic or a recession <laughs> that'll really help with energy conservation, right? Um, <laughs> and, but the reality is, is these things will happen. Um, albeit like, I don't, I don't want another big pandemic. I mean, we're still working through the one that we're in right now. Right. Um, so on the rebound, we are seeing things rebound. Um, so I'll, I'll we're, we're still waiting for 
broad community data. So I, I can't really say anything on that yet, but I do have a, I'm, I, anecdotally, I do see a lot more cars on the road and that's going to be a big contributor. Right. In terms of the corporate stuff, we do have that data because it, it, it's our data and we are tracking it. And we have seen a rebound, but I would say it's not a full rebound. I would say actually it's, it's a very small rebound. And then when you start dissecting some of that data too, we're seeing a lot of the things that we were doing last year, two years, three years ago, and they're starting to stick. So we have to recognize that there are things that have longer timescales. You know, if I'm going to go and beef up the insulation in one of our facilities or change out an HVAC unit or a heating unit in our facilities, you know, that's going to reap benefits now and, you know, 10 years 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And we're going to see that. And we're seeing that in our facilities, that things are, are sticking. Um, now, things like fleet vehicles, which mm. are a big contributor as well, that's where we're seeing that rebound a little bit more. But, and we think about that. Well, if people are making more calls and you know, having to go and do building permits or you know, going out to sites, that's where that activity is. And that's where we're seeing that kind of perk up again right yes we're seeing it in terms of using facilities a little bit more as well but again i would say that that it's very promising in terms of how our facilities are performing and then we just got to keep going Uh, i think that's that's the key Mm -hmm. i i was looking at this uh this race to zero uh breakdown of ghg emissions and it's it's not exactly split into sort of four quarters, but I mean, when you look at the bar graph, it kind of looks that way where you have mm-hmm. a quarter of our emissions coming from transportation. You have a quarter of our emissions coming from residential, a quarter from industrial and commercial and, and or institutional and commercial and a quarter from industrial. And it's like, this, this does kind of feel like a uniquely Guelph kind of chart because I mean, everywhere has got transportation issues, obviously, but you know, we have major employers in, industrial we have major employers and institutions and then we have a big residential base we're kind of tackling that with the you know the the residential program to get people to take out loans and to make those kind of uh carbon footprint changes in, in their own homes but that leaves a big chunk the 75 percent, and and the leaving aside the transportation but this big chunk this half of that's institutional industrial and it, it it what it makes me concerned about is like are we only able to sort of like focus on a piece of this at the time like right now we're tackling the residential and we're gonna we're making progress on that but given the the time scales that we're we're talking about um i guess how do we cha- tackle these bigger these equally big pieces of the pie and i think it's good that you're you're recognizing that these are all different audiences right so residential mm. versus industrial partners and all that stuff but they're all partners mm-hmm. right but yes we do have different drivers um that 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 will kind of push uh of, of why um one would conserve energy depending on which grouping it is my my Previously, before coming from coming to the city, I, I worked in engineering consulting and it was in energy management. And, and a lot of my, my clients were industrial mm. and commercial. I think it, you know, they, they know what they're doing and they're mm. setting their targets. It's not only the city of Guelph that has, you know, race to zero targets or whatnot. And, and that is also something that the race to zero program kind of shows is 
they're saying, look, the cities need to partner with all of these, these big industrial and institutional um, community members and residential and bring them along. And then we still got to go back to what are those levers again, right? Uh, Upper Grand and, and, and our school boards, you know, maybe their focus is, you know, they, they work on their maintenance stuff and they're getting their stuff, but you know, there's an education piece with, with the people that are going there and how that transcends into, into, into the residential side. The university has their targets. What are their needs? Okay. Well, we can help them by making sure that the bus passes are available. The buses are being there ready because they have such a big student population that, that Mm -hmm. require that. Mm -hmm. Um, We have businesses that reach out to us through our economic development group and even emailing myself and saying, Hey, you know, what provincial programs are there out there or utility programs are there for them to do their opportunity, their, their optimization stuff. Um, so again, it's just working with them. And, and, and my belief is, is meeting with everybody as equals. Uh, we have to move away from this kind of paternalistic kind of the city is everything. Right. And, and, and go to, <laughs> you know, let's all do our part again. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I've been through, I haven't been through the Slimans Brewery, but I've been through breweries and mm. I am always amazed at how well they reuse and cascade the use of water and how well they're reusing heat and, and doing a lot of energy conservation stuff. Um, you'd be blown away. Well, I guess that's part of the bigger question because I know this came up earlier this year when, you know, you and your your staff were asked to give an update on Race to Zero to council, which unfortunately came at like literally the end <laughs> of the night so probably wasn't wasn't given the the airtime it deserved but it was mentioned that there, there's um there's kind of a i guess a communications issue where you know people want to see action these actions tend to happen in as you're saying conversations and coordinations things that you know don't involve like ribbon cuttings let's say or you know big press releases and big press pushes um, is, is this a situation where um, we we are not seeing, I guess, as a public, the collaboration, and we're not seeing it? And and would I, I guess would it help if we were to present, like, if if all the stakeholders in Guelph kind of presented a united front, and then maybe that makes it easier for um, the activists and people concerned about the environment to sort of like find the gaps? And it's like you're you're pointing at stuff we're already doing, so we need to find the stuff we're not doing. If that makes sense. <laughs> I'm always looking for support. <laughs> um, but, but uh, no, you're right. Like, I mean, I think everybody does have to kind of come together and, and everybody's just got to like infighting, complaining, all this stuff. It, like, it's just not going to do anybody favors and we don't have time to, to do that. Mm. Um Similarly, I mean, with an action, right? We, we, don't, we don't have the time to do that. So that, that's why we just got to just kind of put our differences down and let's, let's make progress towards it. And if we're going to hit the target, great. If we're going to move towards the target, like that, that's, that's what's really what's important to me. I just don't want to go away from the target, right? Mm. Um, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question quite right, but I, you know, I, th- I think, again, everybody just kind of has to reflect in how how we contribute to our community right um and how do we bring this to the forefront it's a big culture shift and it's outside of guelph too it's it's not unique to guelph right let me phrase it to you this way then 
when you're looking at these goals, and I and I wonder if some of us in the community make the same mistake where it's like if we are at like ninety nine point six percent RE on December thirty first, twenty forty nine, is that a failure? And are you worried like that's like, well, we didn't make it, didn't get to 100, even though it's it's a couple of decimal points away. Or even like, even if it's not that extreme, if it's something like if we get to like 95% or 94% RE or even 87% RE, like, are are you worried that that's, you know, that's a sign of failure as opposed to saying like, well, look at how fastly we moved the needle. We went from, you know, however much to 87. I mean, that would be, that would still be an incredible achievement, wouldn't it? Bang on! I'm a I'm a half glass full type person, and and, and want to exactly. We want to move towards these things, and that that was kind of the neat thing about you know net zero by 2050, or even this race to zero. Like 63 percent, that was kind of dictated strictly based on our economic position as mm. as a as a nation and as a community, right? And it's just saying, hey, like we have resources to kind of go towards that. Again, if we come in at 60 percent or 47%. Again, are we trending in the right direction? And it becomes a touch point too. Okay, you know, we haven't hit it at 2030. Well, guess what? Maybe we can hit it at 2034. But let's just keep moving. And that and that's the thing. I mean, we've talked about this so much and I think now it's just time. Okay, we know at least we can do some things. Let's start doing them. Cuz the trick is and again, I'm looking at at this net zero report that was prepared. Um in terms of the RE status, we were at 23.5 in 2018, 24.5 in 2019, 25.4 in 2020, when we fell off a little bit to 24.7. And when I see that, I'm I'm it makes me wonder, like, have we kind of hit the proverbial ceiling when it comes to like making some of these efforts? And at what point, what gets us through the ceiling is it is it a matter of like we've tapped all the technology we can is it a matter of we tapped all the resources we have available what gets us to 26 27 28 and beyond Mm -hmm. so let's let's recognize that 100 re again is just another indicator it's a calculation right and there's a lot of stuff that kind of goes into that but if i were to simply put it you know there is a reliance on it really comes down to what fuels that we're using and if we're conserving the use of those fuels. It's kind of those two parts. We have some control over what fuels we can use. So as we electrify our vehicles, as we move to heat pumps and all those things, that'll be a big win. And mm-hmm. so that that technology is coming, it's here um, and growing. Uh, you know, it's not fully, fully established there are so many things that are changing constantly in those sectors. Mm-hmm. The other side of it, though, is is, is the grid, right? So mm-hmm. how clean is the grid? There's only so much solar that we can put on our buildings, and we are doing that. So that, that will help kind of bump up those numbers. But we have to also recognize that the province is the one that kind of generates uh, our energy and right. how clean that is. Right. Um, so that may get us to that, you know, if like you're saying that hypothetical, you know, it might just get us to the, towards the target, but not at the target. Um, but again, I, I think, again, if we, if we just kind of focus in on what are we doing, we're, we're really conserving energy. Good. Okay. We're going to keep doing that. And we're going to go and use cleaner forms of energy 
great. And then, so we're progressing in that right direction and we'll see that, that needle move with a hundred hurry COVID again, kind of set us back in two ways. So COVID, because we were using our facilities and our fleet a lot less, that's what gave us that bump in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, or sorry. Yeah. That bump, I guess, cause we're going up. Yeah. So that bump, and then we kind of had that rebound down in 2021, but the other side that has really impacted us is, is how COVID and the, the aftermath of that on supply chains. Right. That's really stalled a lot of our projects in terms of getting equipment in, being able to get electric vehicles, um, solar panels, all those things. So that's kind of also that lag. Um, and so we're, we're, we're working hard to kind of get those projects in the ground and, and moving. Mm-hmm. But uh, unfortunately, it's the reality of things right now. Oh, I mean, heck, you know, supply chains stalled, like getting the right AV wires to fully hook up the council chamber. So <laughs> it's, 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 you know, the, the concern is noted. I guess, and you mentioned the province in this too. Um, can we achieve our, our climate goals without a partner, like a fully invested partner at the province in those changes, given their role in, you know, building highways or, or, you know, power generation, as you were saying. Um, And then also now we, and this is, this is getting a little bit into the political, but, you know, changes in bill 23 that, you know, shift priorities to just sort of straight up building and and doing more building, which is of course going to have climate impacts of their own. You know, I guess, I guess the concern is like, no matter how good Guelph is, um, are we good enough to, you know, jump over the hurdles thrown at us by other levels of government? I think, I mean, we always have to have that team approach. I mean, we said it at the community level, we got to coordinate with all community members. Um, We also have to coordinate with people that are outside of our community and be at different levels of government or even, you know, other municipalities and other regions and counties and all that stuff that we're, we're, we're part of. So, no, I don't think, I don't think we can do it without them Hmm. but i strongly say that that doesn't mean we don't do anything Hmm. um there is still a lot of things that we can do and then we be ready for for um when that partnership improves or changes or you know like things are constantly changing so we just have to be in front of these things Mm -hmm. um sitting on our on our laurels is not going to do us any good right be ready for when when things change and um it it makes uh it makes action seem more immediate um looking at your work looking at the work the city's doing um appreciating that you know I think one of the things proven in the council meeting that happened this time last year is that there are a lot of people in the community, especially younger people who are are just like, they want to see action. They want to, you know, feel assurances that um, stuff is happening. So from your point of view, um, what's kind of like one or even maybe two or three things, you know, that you want people to know that the city is doing right now that, that, so they have that assurance that you know there is action on climate change, even if they don't, if it, even if it's not like seeing the workers on the West West End Community Center installing the new HVAC systems. But you know, th- I know there's stuff happening all the time. Um, 
that you know people don't see and so from your point of view you know what would you tell people to give them some assurances well i think i, I think you touched on it there adam like pretty much everything that we do you know we're factoring in putting in climate change mitigation aspects and even on the you know we've been doing it for a while like i i didn't grow up in guelph um, mm. but i've been here for a solid 14 years now and and you know i've seen it grow over that time too and i'm amazed at, at how things have changed and and how environmentally in tune the community is and and the corporation in the city of guelph is as well so i mean some of the big projects you know we have we have new construction projects um Say, say like the design of the South End Community Center or even the design of, of, of the Baker Library. We, we're infusing a lot of that zero carbon design into that. Uh, we recognize that these are big investments and that they're long-term investments. So we want to make sure that we're hitting them on the right foot. You know, we've got electric buses coming. Those are the things we're doing. We're doing uh, upgrades to the wastewater treatment plant uh, right now, that's going to help reduce the energy in a big way down there. The LED streetlights, you know, all those things have done a lot of good. And I'm not saying that to kind of pound my chest. Right. I'm saying it more like, hey, you know what? We're not perfect, but we're we're doing our best. And and that's the message that I want to get out to, you know, the 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 youth out there. Um, and to the broad community. But I think the more important message is, is we need help. Mm. Like we want everybody to be doing this. And I, I really empathize with Like I got three kids. I was telling you this morning, I was talking to, to the grade fives there at, the, at, at Gulf Public, Gulf Lake Public School. I empathize for them because I get that anxiety. Like I'll, I'll be straight up. Like it, it, it is there are some dark times. <laughs> I mean, like climate change is big, but again, I think what we have to do to overcome that is, is, and I tell my kids, you can't complain if you're not doing anything. Right. Do something about it. Right. And that's where I kind of see hope too. Is again looking at those grade fives today, looking at the kids that were coming out to delegate at late at night. You know, Fridays for Futures, all those things seeing how they're activating. There's so much more engaged and more activated than I was as a kid, right? And so I, I have a lot of hope in that. But put the action where your mouth is too. Okay? Mm. You guys can play a part in this. Mm -hmm. um, so that, that, that's what I'm hoping will help them. <laughs> right. No, no, yeah. Looking at, you know, you're, you're waiting for data um to to see where we are presently um but i mean just you know from your own observations in terms of like where we where we're sitting at the end of 2022 and maybe where maybe how that's indicating what you have to do in 2023 i get you know where are we now and and where do we go next for the community or the corporation or both or both yeah um i'll say for the community <laughs> Um, again, the community, I think we, we, we really got to, we really got to turn away, turn, turn around how, how we think of things. Um, 
and we're seeing it. We're seeing it even financially, you know, like there are hard times that are coming and we have to really think about what we need versus what we want and the luxuries and all that stuff, because that all relates to broader things from a cost perspective, but even from an environmental impact perspective, do we need the newest phone? You know, Mm -hmm. do we need this bigger car? All of those things that we all have agency to make decisions on. So I think if we all do those small little things, they all add up and we can move forward. I'm not hopeful for 2021 data. I am also with how things have opened up in 2022. I'm not saying I, I am, I am very much expecting that our numbers will go up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, again, there are things that we can do to change that. It's that big, broader behavior change. If we look at the corporation, same thing, you know, like we have awareness training, getting everybody on board so that they're operating things efficiently and, and making their lives easy at work because that, that's what happens when we're doing things efficiently. But the other side is too, is again, I'm, 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 we're going to keep pushing on these projects that are getting impacted by supply chain and labor markets and all that stuff. And we're going to keep moving on those, moving on those designs so that we are seeing kind of that, that consistent gradual trend downward. Um, but it's a roller coaster ride. We're going to see ups, we're going to see downs. Um, let's just push those numbers down, I think, is, is where we have to keep focused. There, there's a part of, and it's a part of my thinking too, that, you know, yeah, it's nice to aspire. It's nice to want the best and, and the, the bet, you know, you know go 100 get that 100 emoji uh going but you know it's it's also a reality of things that you know we can never really get to perfection we can never get to 100% 100% of the time and i guess I, I, as you were kind of alluding to the the bleakness of of what might be coming in the future is so bleak um our limitations are are so apparent you know i i guess how do we sort of ride that ride that proverbial wave and and maybe how maybe how do you do it every day because your whole job description is to fight this thing that you as one man and and you as as your team cannot fight alone um even out of city hall and so how do you stay upbeat how do you still how do you keep your eyes on the prize how do you not let yourself you know wallow in the the what what might happen so yeah, I, I do focus on the good. Um, people and their positive attitudes excite me. And seeing things where you know they're having that aha moment, or they're bringing their great ideas, uh, just seeing people engaged—that's that's where I find hope. Hmm. It is a long stretch. Um, I mentioned, you know, I was in consulting before, you know, I've had many doors slammed in my face or projects kind of turned down, which just doesn't make any sense. Then it eventually comes. And I look back at that too. So, I mean, I've been in this, in the energy world for, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years or so. I don't even know how old I'm in these days, but (laughs) being in it for a while and there is a lot of now and a lot of reaction. That's what's happening and, and, and things that you can kind of get stuck in. But, you know, if you kind of reflect on the past too, we've come a long way um, as a society. 
uh, as a community. And, and I think we just need to keep doing that. And again, we can wallow all we want, but that's not going to change anything. So like, let's just get going. Let's win this game, I think. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in particular you want to highlight? Anything you're you're really excited about coming out of, you know, whether it's changes to a facility or uh, new directions, um, you know, building on that positivity, I guess, what can people look forward to um, in terms of um, fighting climate change uh, coming out of your office? <laughs> That's a really tough one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'll necessarily go into particular projects, but again, I think it's, it's that, that if I, if I really sit and think about it, you know, as an organization, we're growing constantly and, and more, you know, people are talking about climate change a lot more. And that, that really does mean a lot to me. Um, having a conversation with you about this, you know, and what that's going to have as an impact um, I, I think that's that's what really gets me going is is and, and that's something that I want uh, to 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 kind of leave it on is is let's keep these conversations moving let's build that awareness let's move that awareness to action and I am seeing it um, mm. we've we've had some awareness stuff going on in the organization and so much positive feedback of saying hey you know what this is fantastic I've been waiting for this and this is great. And uh, yeah, that excites me when people are excited about it. All right. Well, I hope we, we kind of leave this getting people excited and, uh, and feeling positive that that action is happening all the time. And if, even if we don't see it um, and maybe we can make this a regular thing. I don't want to, I don't want to tease uh, the people who, <laughs> and then, and let them down later. Cause there's so much to do and so much to say, but uh Brian Hellyan, thank you so much for for saying everything you had to say today. It's appreciated. Yeah, thanks so much, Adam. This is awesome. And once again, that was Brian Hoyan. You can learn more about the City of Guelph's energy and climate change plans, as well as the Race to Zero, on the City of Guelph's website at guelph.ca slash living slash environment. You can also find a link there to the 2021 Environmental and Sustainability Report, where you can see many of the statistics that we mentioned in this episode. And it also seems appropriate here to remind everyone that Guelph's ban on select single-use plastic items, including shopping bags, ring containers, and polystyrene foam containers and cups, begins on January the 1st, which is now less than a month away. And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will also get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you may certainly do that as well. Get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca where we will have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you this time next week. And until then, we will see you next time.